get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. Through this podcast, Digging Deep, we will bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscape for you and your family. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2020, and it's a new Roaring Twenties, we hope. Roaring in a good way. Yes. And um, Michael and I have decided to talk about the 2020 trends in landscaping. Yeah, everyone wants to know what's new and going on, and what are everyone thinking about for the 2020s? Well, um, let's start with this. I... I have to tell you, when I see things around, I just, I rip them off. You know, if I see a great looking vertical garden in a hotel, I figure out how to do it for the landscape. And I think it's all well and good because sharing is a good thing. So we're going to talk about vertical gardens. Right. Absolutely. Going up instead of always out or in. Right. You know, because um, small landscapes, there's not a lot of space. And when it comes to planting, very often, I'm sure you do it too, we'll use an espalier plant, which means it's trained flat. Right. But vertical gardens is the same concept as you know as an espalier. And by the way, that's French. Espalier. <laughs> espalier. Um, it's it's very popular in today's market. The homes are getting bigger, and the lot sizes are getting smaller. Right. And the privacy is getting more Nil. important. <laughs> so you look out the window, and you don't want to see your neighbor sitting on the toilet. So it's very important to get yourself more privacy. And when you don't have a lot of space going up and getting that privacy from trellises and arbors and things like that is is really, really crucial. Yeah, here's the great thing about a vertical garden. I've started doing this. And like I said, I saw I saw something like this at a hotel called One under the Brooklyn Bridge. And um, so I came back and what I do is I take um, one by four Ipe, which is like a teak, it's a rainforest wood slats, and um, pretty much like make a ladder with a two-inch space between each slat going vertically, and there's two posts holding it. I like Ipe because it's a rainforest wood and it holds up a lot longer. When you leave space between the slats, you could run drip lines um, to what's going to come next. And the planters that I put on, this is this is the easiest thing, and it's so great. I take metal gutters, the big gutters, mm-hmm. and cap them on either end and drill holes on the bottom, and that's my planting bed. And that drills onto the vertical surface. So I have all these gutters that are on the EPA. And, and the great thing is, and I'm working on a project now where it's a very small yard. Um, there's a deck out of his bedroom and a hot tub and a two-story house next door. So come on, we like to be in our hot tubs. Right, right. Sans bathing suits. That's right. French as well. <laughs> <laughs> Naked. <laughs> Naked. And there's no space. There's no space to get any plants in. So Here's the great thing. When you do a vertical garden, if you're doing a fence, you could go six feet, which is normal, eight feet with a permit. That's it. But a vertical garden that's six inches off the fence, you can go 10 feet high. Exactly, because it's not considered a permanent structure. Another alternative would be, which we've done is, um, you use two four-by-four pressure-treated posts, set them in the ground, and then you use exterior hardy backer, which is a concrete board. Now, it's ugly, so you would drill it and attach it to the four-by-fours. And again, the four-by-fours could be um, six feet tall, could be eight foot tall, could be seven foot tall, and the hardy backer is then attached to that, and you screw it on. And then you stain or paint 
actually you paint the hardy backer um, a dark color. So for example, it could be black, it could be a dark gray, it could be a charcoal gray, which is great because you want that to disappear. And then you can either buy, there. it's a product called Woolly Pockets. Mm-hmm. They are these fabric inexpensive it's felt it's felt Mm -hmm. and you can actually attach those or they also have they're like little um plastic um how to describe them they're they're like a half pot that can be attached Mm -hmm. to again the hardy backer you attach those from the back you go ahead and you run your drip tubes drill a hole into it and then you can plant those woolly pockets or the the uh, half pots of plastic with real succulents or vines or things like that and again what happens is the hardy backer disappears because it's a dark color and all you see are the woolly pockets or you see that the the pots, um, they could even be sphagnum baskets, and the the plants just cascade down, and it's beautiful. It's nice if done right. I have a woolly pocket behind my shed rotting um, because I <laughs> I had put it up, <laughs> and the problem is is. Um, dripping each little pocket yes so yes. I, I had a problem with that I find the using gutters and drilling them and here's another thing that that work really well but um if you go high don't put your planters eight feet up you right. will not be able to tend them right so um now there is another solution and again um that I've done a lot if you don't if you want to go even a more living screen you can actually use their panels. It's put out by a company called Behrens, B-E-H-R-E-N-S. And they're galvanized panels of, they look, a lot of people would call them horse, um, hog wire. Oh, uh-huh. They're either two by four or mm-hmm. four by four or two by two. And they're galvanized and they're, they come in sheets. And the thing that's neat about those are <clears throat> you again can put in your four by fours, you go ahead and make a frame and then you actually um, take these big sheets of the Beeren's galvanized framing and you you attach it to the four by four and the two by four on the top and the bottom. And then you can plant something like a star jasmine, honeysuckle, mm-hmm. um, something that's very fragrant, that's an evergreen. You plant it in the ground and you train it up on there and basically you're making this living trellis. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know what you want to keep in mind is that when you plant a vine don't put it close to a tree right because it will keep growing up into a tree and most vines that make wonderful living screens can also get 20 feet high yes they can so they do take some maintenance and i guess the 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 real thing to understand is vertical gardens yes are they're a trend they're wonderful um but you need to make sure that they're dripped right and that they drip onto something that's not going to destroy the surface. So if it's in dirt or... Exactly. And so you would, as Roberta said, it's really important whether you use the the woolly pockets, whether you use the half planters, whether you use the, the rain gutters, the water's going to drip somewhere. And so down below, you either have to do a French drain or rock or dry well or take it so that the water just doesn't sit on concrete or sit on your foundation and then... We have a whole nother show on, as we've yeah. done before, on, on drainage. drainage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's so many products available, and I'm sure if you Google them, you'll see all kinds of different vertical gardens um, and how-to on, on Pinterest and also house. So that is a wonderful trend, especially if you have a big blank wall. And sometimes um, 
we have in we're in the Sacramento area. We have homes where part of someone's backyard is the back of someone's garage, right. literally on right. the property line, and really. You, you're not supposed to do a mural on it or right, grow anything right. on it because it's theirs. Even though they can't get right, to it, it's right. theirs. So doing some kind of vertical support a few inches off that um, hides that whatever, you know, it could be an ugly wall or, or you know, something. And what Roberta is talking about, you might hear the term um, zero lot line. Zero lot line. Which means that the neighbor's garage or the part of the neighbor's house is actually on your property line mm-hmm. and you share share them. And... Um, the other thing that's really interesting is you use a lot of vertical gardening when you don't have a lot of space, mm-hmm. but you can create some illusion. And I've done that before is um, if you have a very narrow space, you can actually use a mirror. Yes. Yes. You put a I've mirror well. onto one of these vertical gardens and then you have plants, hanging plants in front of it. And what it does is it reflects it. So it gives the illusion that you have a lot more space. And really all it's doing is reflecting what's in front of it. Right. And again, when you put up a mirror, make sure because water is going to get in. So water, anything outdoors is going to be hit with outdoor elements. Right. So um, make sure it's sealed correctly. I, d- I once um, found or someone gave me two giant mirrors. They were great. And I used it at a client's and we put them on the wall and then we tiled it to the wall and so it it did it 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 did the same that you were talking about the illusion of creating space but it was also waterproof so nothing got into the back and which is great yeah because it could ruin the mirror so again it's as you're working on these spaces you've got to remember that you're working on an outdoor space rather than indoor space Mm -hmm. so you've got sun you also and that would be something to consider is if you're in a situation where you're going to get beating sun and you put a mirror down there oh yeah yeah. you're gonna blind you could cook your eggs absolutely (laughs) if you get the right perspective again it's it's something you need to to really think through the process as you're doing it but but don't negate the whole concept of the vertical garden it's it's amazing how much more lush beautiful and private you can get with doing this vertical garden yeah imagine okay so some people have condos and they have a balcony they don't have a garden. Right. Well, a vertical garden would be perfect. And you could put a, a you know, a little trough underneath. Yes, in fact, yes. you could do a trough that's planted and have the vertical garden coming up from that. And so if your space is a 10, you know, 8 by 10 or 12 by 12, by doing a couple vertical gardens, um, an outdoor rug, potted plants, Absolutely. nice furniture, you have your own little Eden. It doesn't, space does not matter. Because otherwise when you go out there, you feel like you're in someone else's backyard. And mm-hmm. there's nothing more frustrating than sitting out to try to enjoy a view and having your neighbor sit right next to you. And it's like, they're sitting in your yard. Right. Hey, neighbor. Hi. <laughs> yeah, what's for dinner? Yeah. Hopefully you're of the same political party. <laughs> it, could, it could be difficult. Okay. So I think we've covered the vertical garden. That, so that is a big trend for this new year. Also, I'm going to skip down to this one. Um, plants that do double duty. So Michael, oh, I love this one. Yeah. This is great. Talk a little bit about that and then I'll chime in. I think the thing is, is that that in the past, people just think there's ornamentals and then there's, you know, uh, fruit and and uh, herb producing plants. And in today's market and in the new trend is why not get double duty? Why not get a plant that not only flowers, maybe gives you scent, but at the same time you can eat it or you can dry it and use it for cooking. So it, it's it's doubling up on the benefits 
And there are a lot of things. For example, uh, for privacy in my own yard, I just recently planted Loris nobilis. That's the botanical name. It's a bay laurel. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's a bay leaf. It's so a bay leaf. It's, it's a bay okay. leaf that you pay a fortune when right. you go to the store to actually buy bay leaves. Right. But when you grow it, you could supply not just your neighborhood, <laughs> but you could <laughs> supply part of your state with bay leaves. Exactly. And they're not poisonous. All you do is you take the leaf, you dry it, mm-hmm. and you actually can put it in a little container. And that's the bay leaf that you cook with. So I'm getting double duty. I'm getting privacy because they're an evergreen screen. They get about 20, 25 feet tall. They're not messy. They're drought tolerant, which is wonderful. And they're blocking out my neighbor. But at the same time, I can pick them, dry them and use them for spaghetti sauce. Yes, they're they're wonderful. So other plants, um, I got to say, being a woman, I'm double duty is my middle name. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I'm all about that. Anyway, one of the plants that I love in the landscape are artichokes. Artichokes are such a sculptural plant and they they serve up artichokes. Yes. But, you know, here's a very interesting thing that you had mentioned that. I was talking to someone yesterday mm-hmm. and I was saying, go way back. How did anyone ever think? I mean, an artichoke of eating is... It? Of eating it. It's a thistle. And it's in the thistle family. And when it flowers, it's got the most beautiful purple flower. And, you know, it, uh, they're also very spiny. But how would anyone think... That when you boil it and you actually eat it, and they're delicious, but I mean, if you, it, it's one of the things, I don't know where it came from, but when you think about it way back, someone must have come up with the idea of eating it. Someone desperate. Yes. Someone very <laughs> desperate. You know, I often wonder that about a lot of things, like soap. Okay. How did it come to be that you mix lye with fat and you get soap? I mean, there's there's all these mysteries. So. Exactly. Well, and I was telling someone, and I, I, I knew popcorn. That I could figure yeah, out. One yeah. day it dropped into a fire, right. and all of a sudden, yeah. I think the Indians made popcorn. Yeah. So going on to other plants that give you double duty. Well, okay, so there's a broad spectrum of plants that are your herbs. Yes. Lavender, Lavender. rosemary, um, ground cover thyme, regular thyme. I mean, this is ground cover thyme is something you put in between your walkway and pavers, but it's also edible. However, if you have animals, that's not the time you want to use for cooking. Right. Because, you know, they pee on it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Mine do. Yeah, I know. It's like, no, you don't eat yellow snow. You don't eat, you don't use your. Ground cover time for that. But um, there's lemon thyme, many different types of thyme. Oregano is evergreen. And um, some things that are not, like if you think, oh, I'm going to plant basil, that'll be a great border. Basil's an annual. Right, right. It won't be around in the winter. Another plant that's great that does double duty, again, for screening, privacy, and it's dramatic, is pineapple guava. I love the Fijoa Celawiana. I love those because they have a really pretty red flower that turns into a guava. And and the the petals are edible. Oh, I know. It's it's amazing. Um, They now have standards, which means a single stem and then all the growth is on top. So it's a little patio tree and they're wonderful. It's beautiful. There's also a plant called um, Tulbagia or Society Garlic. And the flowers, the purple flowers, you could put on your salad along with nasturtiums. Now, I did not know that. Yeah, and they taste like garlic. garlic. Yeah, Yeah. and they're... So they're edible, and like I said, so are nasturtiums. And then um, I, uh, my ex-mother-in-law used to take nasturtium seeds and pickle them like capers. Ah, they're not capers, okay. but they're you not can pickle cap- them. Yeah, so th- those are great. And, of course, all fruit trees. You mm-hmm. not only get flowers, you know, apples, 
pears, plums, peaches. What I love about those, one of my most favorite is pomegranate. I love the flowers of pomegranate. I love the leaves of that. But then again, I love the pomegranate fruit. So again, why not? Here you're getting flowers. Here you're getting fruit. Here you're getting fall color. And it's not only doing double duty. I think it's actually doing triple duty. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, not to mention grapes and hops, which beer and wine. And there is um, a designer. Her name is Rosalind Creasy. Yes. C-R-E-A-S-E-Y, I think. Yes. And she's published books all about edible gardening. And if you're up for that, and I'm... We're talking about a lot of maintenance, right? Because yes. you're you're growing fruits. We're 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 talking about incorporating them into your landscape. But if you really want to go head in to having you your the ability to eat everything in your garden, everything you grow is, is edible. A, she yes. is a great resource for that. Except again, now you know we, we you talk about the good and the bad. Um, when you live in an area where there's a lot of wildlife, which, right. which you're going to draw them to. Oh yeah, I mean, and and if you don't mind seeing the squirrels eating all of your the pomegranates, the pomegranates, <laughs> and uh, the possums eating all of your things, and the rats coming in for the grapes, and the rats coming in for the grapes mm-hmm. and everything, and and so th- with every good thing, there right. is something that you have to consider. And um, if you have dogs that that like to chase squirrels and they're scurrying across your fence. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Yes, it's like a raceway. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nature. And, you know, we live in nature. We are of nature. And there's no no maintenance when you're having a landscaper or, you know, an edible landscape. However, there are things like the herbs that you can incorporate or the scented plants, the roses, the jasmines, the honeysuckle. Yes. And they're doing du- double duty by... Um, Giving you scent, a fragrance, yeah. And the interesting thing is, a lot of the herbs. So people are saying, I would like to to grow plants, um, and I'd like to have a double duty, but I don't want all of the wildlife. Um, A lot of the herbs actually discourage wildlife. Rosemary, um, deer, and raccoons—they don't like. Time again, they stay away from it. Oh, there's so many things. We have a lot of areas here. that we have to plant with deer and they have to be deer resistant. Yes. So <laughs> it says deer resistant, but the young ones or the hungry ones, they're going to eat it anyway. Right. But they just don't come back and, and uh, continue to eat it. No, they don't because after eating it and then they ha- they can't get any Pepto-Bismol for <laughs> what it does to their little deer tummies. They like a very mild diet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with the vertical gardens and plants that do double duty, we are going to head into um, a second podcast and carry this theme on because there's so many new, uh, well, I don't want to say new trends, but the trends are that we're coming out, that we will speak in uh, about at the next um, podcast are foodie. Foodie. Farm to fork in your own yard. Absolutely. And also um, how to bring water in for butterflies for birds for the sound of it but to do it conscientiously so it's not being evaporated constantly so if you're in an area where there's a a lot of heat it's um drought tolerant you could still have a water feature we're going to talk about that and i think and we're still going to talk about even though it's not a new trend it's a continuing trend the whole idea of the outdoor room bringing in fire and Mm -hmm. water and 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 um, repurposing repurposing that's a really good one we're going to talk a lot about repurposing so instead of everything 
anything going into the landfill, you actually can use it and make it an integral part of the landscape. So this is such a wonderful group of ideas that instead of one podcast, we're making two. We're going to do a second one. And if you have any questions about anything that we spoke about today, you could um, address those comments at our website, which is diggingdeep.com blueberry.net now blueberry is spelled b-l-u-b-r-r-y drop the e and leave us a leave us a comment and um we will get back to you on that so thank you for listening in i'm michael glassman i'm roberta walker and thank you for joining us on digging deep